And so we're so glad you're here today. Uh, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here. Last weekend, we had a great Easter weekend, didn't we? Did you guys have a good Easter weekend? Yes, absolutely. And we, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus, uh, but usually following the resurrection, a really common question after that is, now what? Now what do we do? Do we just go home? Do we just keep doing what we're doing? What is it we're doing? And so that's a very common question because it's probably what the disciples and the apostles asked as well. Now what? Now what do we do? Jesus is resurrected. What is our next step? And that's why we are going to cover the book of Acts for the next 28 weeks. We are going to go through the book of Acts together one chapter a week. And so today we're looking at chapter one. And I want you to pull out your worship programs. Go ahead and pull those out if you have one real quick. We want to show you something really cool in there. We want to invite you guys to begin to read the book of Acts along with us. And so in the worship programs, we are, have a weekly reading plan for those of you who want to join in. And just by the end of 28 weeks, you're going to be going through it. And so we want to encourage you to jump in and read that. So for instance, starting tomorrow, you're going to review what we talked about today, which is Acts 1, 1 through 11. And by Saturday, you're going to be have read through the end of chapter 2. Now, what you're doing is you're preparing for next Sunday. And so when you read to Acts 2, guess what we're preaching on next week? Acts 2, awesome. So now you know exactly where we're heading. You know what we're going to be talking about. You have a grasp of what's going on, okay? And so we would love for you to jump in and read right along with us. Now, some of you might be like, I've never read the Bible. Why would I start now? First of all, it's profitable, okay? I guarantee you, you will not be sad you did. It is profitable for you. And also, if you aren't used to reading the Bible, you don't know really what to do with it when you read it online and hopefully by next week, online you're going to see this. First of all, you're going to see our, our reading plan is going to be online as well. So if you miss a week, you can just go to our website and find what the reading is going to be. But you're also going to see right up top there all those little words. I know it's pretty small for you guys. Uh, but we give you the SOAP Bible study method questions to ask. So if you've never read the Bible, go to our website. And those are just good questions to ask. Uh, scripture, observation, we have application, and then prayer. And so it kind of gives you some steps to take as you read through Acts, okay? So wherever you're at in your journey of faith, if this is brand new to you, or if you've been on the journey for a long time, I'm telling you, this is going to be profitable for all of us in here. So I hope you jump in and read Acts with us. All right. With that said, let's jump into Acts chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 1. If you don't, it's going to be on the screens for you. And if you don't have a Bible, there are racks in the back, right by the tech booth back there. There are Bibles there. Please take one home if you don't have a Bible. All right? That's our gift to you today. And so let's jump into Acts chapter 1. We have a lot to get through, so we're going to just be moving, okay? So if you're not ready for this, wake up a little bit, all right? If you've, whatever, all right? So make sure you're following along. So Acts chapter 1, 1 and 2, it begins this way. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through 
the Holy Spirit. And so here we're seeing and noticing some pretty important context of the book of Acts. First of all, we see here that this is not the first letter of the author. Okay, It says, in my first book. So apparently this author has a first book. You might be asking, well, what is that first book? Well, we believe it to be the Gospel of Luke. And so if you know the Gospels, the New Testament is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. And we believe that Luke wrote the first book and Acts because they're both addressed to the same person, this Theophilus. Theophilus most likely paid Luke to write these accounts. Now, why would he do that? The first book, Luke taught everything Jesus began to do and teach. That was the first book. Why did Luke have to do that for Theophilus? Well, we read in Luke that he did that so that Theophilus could have certainty about Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection. Theophilus wanted certainty that what he believed in was true. And so he had Luke write this first book. And then the second book, though, is what happens after the resurrection. It answers our now what question. What happens after the resurrection? And we see here Jesus was taken up into heaven. But before he went, he gave his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. So we have this Luke-Acts letter where he's writing to us this certainty. Here we can be sure that this happened, that Jesus resurrected, that, that all of this, these things are true. And so we have to look at everything that we're about to talk about for the next 28 weeks all hinges on one truth, though. And so let's read it in verse 3. It all hinges on one truth. During the 40 days after he suffered and died. So think about that. He suffered, died. He then came, resurrected, and then proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. You can't skip past this verse. This is phenomenal, okay? So think about it. Jesus suffered and he died. We, we celebrate that on Good Friday, didn't we? Hopefully you were here for that. That's Good Friday. And then on Easter, we celebrate the idea that Jesus didn't stay in the grave, but he resurrected three days later. And then from that point on, for 40 days, Jesus was going from time to time, apparently, Jesus was just going from heaven to earth as he pleases. It's pretty amazing, isn't it, to think about that? The resurrected Christ, just like in heaven, and then one day he's like, I gotta go teach him more. And then he just shows up to the apostles. He teaches them more about the kingdom of God. And then he'd go back, and then he'd come back, and then he did that for 40 days. And so he's instructing them, and he's proving to them that he's actually alive. Listen, the, the book of Acts all hinges on the fact that Jesus is actually alive. Okay. The movement of the church all hinges on the fact that Jesus is actually alive. Your eternal life, your salvation in Christ all hinges on the fact that Jesus is actually alive. So for every single person in this room today, you have to come to grips on whether you believe if Jesus is actually alive. 
Because everything else we're talking about here hinges on that truth. So if you don't believe that truth, then really none of the rest of this matters for you. But once you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then the movement of Acts is something that you get to be a part of. And so I want to challenge you today. What do you believe about the resurrection? What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about his death on the cross and what it did for you? Because we know from his word That through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, those who have faith in him have eternal life in the presence of our God. That our sins have been paid for and that we get new life through Christ, only through Jesus. And so if you're still iffy on that, I just want to start there. Start with this idea, do I believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Because that's that's the... That's the truth that our lives hinge on as well. And so, we're going to continue on here. Jesus continues to teach them about the kingdom of God, and he teaches them about this kingdom that's going to be built, but the question is, is how is this kingdom going to expand throughout the world? Is Jesus just going to miraculously make it happen? Yes, he eventually does, but look at how he's going to do it. Once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is going to expand through the gift that God has promised. What's the gift that's promised? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Think of it this way. You can't drive a car without an engine. Have you tried that before? You can't fly a plane without an engine, and you for sure cannot build a kingdom without power. And the power of God's kingdom is his spirit moving and living inside of those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus promises the gift of the Spirit for those who believe so that they can have power to then build his kingdom. But like young children, they become impatient. Check this out. Acts 1, 6 through 8. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? This is basically the adult version of Are we there yet? Then he replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are are not for you to know. So think about this. Put yourself back into the context here. For 40 days, Jesus is just coming and going. 40 days, Jesus is teaching about this kingdom. 40 days, he's like referencing this power, this Holy Spirit, and they're just like, when is it going to happen? Are we there yet? What's going on, Jesus? And Jesus just lovingly says, listen, don't worry about dates and times. You don't need to know about that. For some of you, that's really tough, isn't it? You type A personalities, can't go with the flow. Okay, so they want to know certain things, but Jesus says, listen, those aren't for you to know. Leave those in God's hand. Leave those in the hands of, of, of the one who actually has power over that. That's why Jesus teaches us, do not be anxious for tomorrow because we have no control over tomorrow. God does, though. He's already there. Same thing. 
The apostles are like, when's, when's it going to happen? He's like, don't worry about it. Don't concern yourself with it. So if they're not supposed to be concerned with this earthly kingdom that they think is going to happen, well, what are they supposed to be concerned about? What are they supposed to do? And that's where we get to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. If you have a Bible and you like to underline or you like to highlight, highlight that one verse. Because listen, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 frames the entire book of Acts and where we're heading. And so what are the apostles supposed to concern themselves with? Well, let's check it out. Acts 1.8. He says, don't concern yourself about times and dates and all that stuff. That, you, don't need to, you don't need to worry about that. Leave that in God's hands. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, into the ends of the earth. This passage shows us what God commissions us to do, what he's commissioning them at this point, and then he's also giving us the framework in which we need to do it. He promises that the Holy Spirit is going to come and they're going to receive the power that they need to be witnesses here on earth. But you have to ask yourself, what are they, what are they going to be witnesses of? Well, it's very simple. They're going to be witnesses of the resurrection. Witnesses of the resurrection. That's why Easter Sunday is such a, a phenomenal day where we get to come together and really focus on the resurrection, which Jesus is still risen today, right? And next Sunday and the Sunday after, he's still, he's still risen. But it's great to focus on the resurrection because that's what we get to be witnesses of. We're going to see that in a little bit. And so they get to be witnesses of the resurrected King Jesus when they receive this power. God is going to give them the gift that was promised to them, the helper that was promised to them. Remember, and if you remember in the Gospels, Jesus was like, hey, I'm going to leave you. They're like, no, 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 you can't leave us. What, what are we going to do? And he says, listen, I'm going to send a helper for you, someone who can actually be with you, each person. I'm only one man, he says. And so he gives them this power, and also he gives them the terms of their mission. They are to tell people about him everywhere. And you know the beauty of this is that it actually happens. So Acts chapter 1 verse 7, guess what? That's the story of them being witnesses in Jerusalem. And then Acts chapter 8 through 11 is them being witnesses throughout Judea and Samaria. And then Acts chapter 12 verse through 28 is the story of them being witnesses to the ends of the earth, the earth that they knew at that point. And so for the apostles, this was their power, this was their terms, this is, was their mission. This was their mission. And these places, these were real people that they knew and they loved and they got to be witnesses too. It's not like they were just thrown out there for them to, to really think about, but they were real people in real places that they were to go. And the rest of Acts shows us that the apostles and disciples obeyed this commission and these terms of Jesus. And they became his witnesses with the power of the Holy Spirit. The beauty of this for you and for me today is that we get to enter into and continue the work that they started 2,000 years ago. Do you know that? 
this commission here is not just for the apostles. It's not just for the people that Luke was writing about or Jesus was talking to in that moment. Our God doesn't change. He doesn't change. And so the same spirit that they received, the same power that they received by having faith in Jesus Christ and his resurrection is the same spirit that you and I receive today. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, Scripture says that the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you. That's why we're called the temple, because we are the the resident of God here on earth. And we receive this spirit and we receive power to do what? To be concerned about dates and times? No. To be witnesses about Jesus and his resurrection in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We get to enter into what these disciples and apostles have already started 2,000 years ago. Isn't that amazing today? Can you not lose that idea on you this morning? That this isn't something of like, oh, you get to do that, or oh, that's just the pastor's job, or the really spiritual people. This is everybody who has a relationship with Jesus Christ. We get to enter into this. And so, we're going to kind of finish our time here today, very practically speaking. And so obviously, I've never been to Jerusalem. Some of you may have. I've never been. I've never been to any of those places. So what do those places mean to us today? And so let's break it down a little bit. First, our Jerusalem means sharing across the fence, much like Tim Allen in Home Improvement, okay? You just share across the fence. This idea of right where you're at, okay? Where, where does God have you in your home, where you work, in your school? Where, where do you live? Where are you there? Find, find where you live there. Find where you work. Find where you go to school. Find if you, the gym you, you pay money to that you may not go to. that's your Jerusalem, okay? Do you get that? Like, that's where you are. That's where God has you. The church is most effective not on Sunday mornings. It's great to come in here and be encouraged, be edified, be lifted up. It's, It's amazing to see all of your faces every single week to come together and worship the same God. But you know when we're most effective is Monday through Saturday when we're all dispersed across our Jerusalem, which is Ottawa County. We're dispersed throughout the county so that we can be witnesses of Jesus everywhere. And so where are you? Where does God have you? Who are your, my three? We've, we kind of throw this around sometime, but maybe you don't know what this is. My three is simply, who are your three people who don't know Jesus, who don't really care about Jesus, and who absolutely need Jesus, that you are praying for, you are investing, and you are inviting into a relationship with Jesus and into this community of believers. Who are your three? Do you have any? If not, you should have some. You should have people you're focused on that you're going to be intentional with. And that's how we get to really make an impact in our Jerusalem, right where we are at. 
That's Jerusalem. Now, what does our Judea, our Judea look like? This is sharing across our town and our region. And so just think about it. This is like uh, North Coast Ohio, okay, roller coast. And so we are the region of northern Ohio right on the lake. Our church is all in three different counties. We have Erie County, Huron County, and Ottawa County. And so when we talk about our region, what are we doing in our region? Listen, as a church, we can't do everything, but we can do a lot of things, can't we? And so some things we're doing within our church, we, we support Nehemiah Center, downtown Sandusky. We have a small group from Port Clinton that goes once a month and feeds all the kids that show up there, the after-school program. We have other groups doing that there at the Nehemiah Center. Listen, we are there. We're supporting that. Uh, Heartbeat and Abigail Pregnancy Services, Heartbeat here in Ottawa County, Abigail Pregnancy Services in Norwalk, we are within our region. We're supporting them. We get to do that. We get to partner with Habitat for Humanity. We get to do things like our worship night in downtown Port Clinton and have a widow's lunch for widows on Valentine's Day. We get to do a lot of things right in our region, not so that we look good, so that we get to be witnesses of Jesus where God has us. With power, with the Spirit, with the love of Christ. We get to be witnesses in our region. And so that's our, that's our Judea. And so the question is, is what are you doing within your region? There are so many things to get involved with. It doesn't have to be just Port Clinton. It can be all around our area. Next, Samaria. What is that? That's sharing across the tracks. The Jewish people did not like Samaria, okay? That, that was across the tracks. Like, you don't go there. You, when you're driving through, you lock your doors. Windows up, lock your doors, Okay? That's what, that's what Samaria was to them. That's why the story of the Good Samaritan was a parable Jesus taught. And so our Samaria are the people who are shunned, oppressed, looked down upon for many reasons, either economically, socially, whatever the case may be. This means sharing with people who don't look like you, who don't act like you, who don't have as much money as you, who, don't, who aren't in your circles, we don't shop like you. It's intentionally stepping outside of your realm so that you can be a witness and love people who probably least likely expect you to love them. And so who can you share with across the, te- across the tracks? Who has God placed in your life that you're like, man, I would never have a conversation with them, and yet that's exactly what God wants you to do? And then the last thing we're going to look at is to the ends of the earth. And honestly, we don't really report back on our missions a lot. And so this is kind of, kind of a report of like what God is doing through you. And so we're looking at the ends of the earth, I means sharing across the oceans or across the nations. And so listen, before I get into this, and it's a lot, and I'm just going to be like, I'm moving fast through this because I'm already going over time, okay? So listen, none of what I'm about to mention can happen without you, Okay? When you give money on a Sunday, which we hardly ever talk about, a portion of what you give goes to missions. And that missions is what we're about to report on now. And so from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you so much for your generosity. Your generosity here at the chapel is mind-blowing. What God has done in and through you, whether you knew it or not, okay? And so what we do is we support many missionaries across the ocean. 
that we can actually be a part of and send teams to and stuff like that. So if you don't know what we're doing, here's just a little report back for you today. First, we support Roger and Carolyn Tomlinson at Dayspring Outreach in Mexico. We send teams there every summer. Joe's going with with a team down there this summer, and they get to go and serve, and they do gospel. They, They preach. They do church planting, stuff like that. That's a fantastic ministry that you can be a part of. All right, you can physically go there this summer if you would like to like to do that. Second, we have Bobby and Lynette Gupta. Bobby Gupta is amazing. Uh, he's at the Hindustan Bible Institute in India, which they are training national pastors to then go and share the gospel. Because if you bring a bunch of white folk to India, the Hindu uh, radicals don't like that. And so instead of us going, we get to support the national pastors so that they can go, all right? And they can share the gospel in their country. And so that's why we support Bobby and Lynette Gupta. We also support Scott and Lisa Santee, the Filter of Hope. They are in like the Caribbean, Cuba, Central America. America, And you know what they do? They go into these homes and they give them individual home-sized water filters in these areas that don't have any clean water. And while they're in the homes sharing about this filter, giving them physical water, they share the good news of the living water of Jesus Christ, which is pretty amazing. And so that's what they do, and we support them. We've had people from this church in this room right now that have gone to Cuba with them, life-changing, life-changing trip. Uh, Nicasio and Valerie Martinez, they are translating the Bible into the Zapotec language in Mexico. A lot of people think Mexico is just Spanish, but there's 300 indigenous languages in Mexico that have yet to be reached with the Bible. And so they are there translating the Bible into the Zapotec language. And so we get to come alongside them and support them. Dan and Sarah Stelzer, uh, some of my favorite people, uh, they're right there on the left. They are working with Crew. You, maybe you've heard of Crew at some of our colleges here in America. Maybe you've been to a service or something. They are through Crew over in Central Asia. I can't tell you what country because of privacy and stuff like that, but they are over there working in Central Asia at the colleges, at the university, sharing the good news of Jesus uh, while teaching English, which is pretty amazing, all right? And then the next thing is the Send and the Pioneers. This is what Joe was talking about. So when you guys give on the crisis fund on our website and you want to give to the Ukrainians, we, send it, we give it to Send and the Pioneers, and they're the ones who help the, those agencies in Poland out for the Ukrainian refugees. Can you believe that? Over $50,000 given by you guys? That is astounding. That generosity just like, it floors me. Every single time I hear that number, that you guys are entering into and helping those people who are displaced right now. Right? Like how comfortable are we right now? How comfortable is your life? Not everybody in this world is experiencing that today. And yet you guys stepped up to help. And that's pretty amazing. $50,000. You can still give to that. Then the last thing we want to share with you guys, this is kind of where we're going to spend our time, is we've also adopted two villages, uh, one in Burundi and one in India. And I'm just going to share with you a little bit about Burundi first. If you don't know anything about Burundi, it's the poorest country in the world. And we support the Batwa people who were gypsies, but they have now 
uh, just settled in on a spot, and we'd been there for eight years. When we got there eight years ago, 70 children per year were dying, and now it's only about one to two with just a little intervention of support from one church, us, the chapel, from you guys. And so through you guys, we've done a lot of things. Uh, we've helped build 115 houses. We purchased a field in which they turned into a, a thriving rice field. They're learning trades and going to schools. They're hearing about Jesus and responding. And last month, Pastor Jay and a team of five went to help dedicate and celebrate the opening of a community center. And so we just want to uh, show you that video here today. Pastor Jay said that was just like an all-day event. Started in the morning, just kept on going. You saw how excited they were for that community center uh, that literally was funded by you guys. And so that, you can see the community center up there. Why is that important to have a community center? Because that's a place where they now can learn trades. Uh, they now can ha have school. They can have a meeting place for church. And also they get to rent it out to other towns that are close by. And they can make in some income for their town of Buganyuzi. And so we, they were there to help um, just dedicate that. You can see here some ladies learning how to sew, which is a trade, uh, an amazing trade. And then look at, if you see on that top picture, you see the shiny little houses up in the corner. Those are some of the houses that we were, help, we were able to help build. And then also that's the rice field that they were dedicating. Uh, that we, they, we bought the field for them and they planted the rice and now they get to harvest that. And so that's what's going on in Burundi. And again, that doesn't happen unless... You guys have a heart for across the oceans, across the oceans. And we're going to continue to do that work. And then second, we want to look at India here. Um, we're, basically, we haven't been to India yet for two reasons. First, because of COVID. Second, because of the Hindu radicals. Again, you can't send a huge team of, of people who are going to stick out. And so 
Uh, we just have been supporting financially to the ministries that are over there. And so they actually just sent us a video a couple weeks ago to update us. And just to mind you, the words on this video are very small and go very fast. I will recap it after. Okay? Awesome. It's amazing. If you couldn't catch those words, 14 new believers have been reached with the gospel. There have been 120 Bibles distributed. 74 youth attended a leadership development program. 452 children are being discipled through a children's gospel club, which is so amazing. Um, a well was dedicated, and now they have clean water. Two widows were chosen to receive low-cost houses. Hundreds have learned simple things like finances and health safety measures and more. And just this past week, they as well just opened a community center that they can use for their village and the surrounding villages to train and, and meet as a church and to build up their town. Now, you can see in both of these villages, we didn't just come in and give them a spiritual truth. We also came in to, to give them certain things they need in life so that they can be open to what God has for them spiritually. And God has been working mightily. God is on the move. And I want to thank you so much for, for everything you have done in Burundi, India, everything you've done in our region, and, and of course, everything you're doing right here in our Jerusalem. It's amazing to see the faces, right? We talk about Burundi, we talk about India, we talk about these, but they're real people that desperately need Jesus, that desperately need care. And it's easy to think missions and, and all of this is going over the oceans, and yet we overlook the people we walk right past every single day, don't we? And so I want to challenge all of us here today 
to really buy into this, but you will receive my power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Holy Spirit comes upon us when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. You receive the Spirit, and if you receive the Spirit and have faith in Jesus, then you get to be his witnesses, telling people about him everywhere, across the fence, across the region, across the tracks, and across the oceans. And so the question is, is how are you doing those things personally? How are you engaging in what God has commissioned us to do? The beauty of all of this is that the last word in Acts is the word unhindered. A lot of times people think that the gospel is going to be stopped, but it won't. God, the gospel, his witnesses, people telling other people about him everywhere is going to continue on unhindered until the return of Christ. And we get to enter into that history, into that story. And so ask yourself, how am I going to do that in my life? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy today. The fact that your gospel, your good news will continue on unhindered, Lord. Because it's your power in which it happens. I thank you for the generosity of these people sitting right here week in and week out where they are supporting different organizations and missions across the world. But Lord, I pray that you would use us mightily right here in our town, across the fence, across the tracks, in our region. Lord, I pray that you would just give us and motivate us to get out there and be intentional with where you have us. Lord, none of us have all the answers. None of us know how to do everything, but all of us can do something. And so, Lord, give us discernment, give us direction on what we should do. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Have a